the Sheriff's Shuffle 5K Run Walk is back. And this year, it raises funds to support Sheriff Nick Kochi's Youth Leadership Academy. Want to learn more? Listen up. What's the Youth Leadership Academy? The Youth Leadership Academy is a summer day camp that provides Western Mass youth ages 7 through 12 positive role models and life experiences for those who can't afford a traditional camp experience. This year, 120 children participated. Who pays for the Youth Leadership Academy? All expenses are covered by donations, like the Sheriff's Shuffle. So when is the Sheriff's Shuffle? It's Sunday, October 15th. And where is it? It's at the Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. And what time should I be there? Registration starts at 8 a.m. The race begins at 10.30 a.m. How much is it? It's only $35 to pre-register. Where can I sign up? Google HamptonCountySheriff.org and click on the link. Hey, where are you going? I'm going to sign up for the Sheriff's Shuffle. See you there. The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. He has achieved success who has lived well, laughed often, and loved much. Bessie Anderson Stanley. I'm Lisa Riley, and each week we're here to share narratives of people and programs both inside and outside the criminal justice system, the reality of life behind the wall, and the stigmas that surround those who have been impacted by the justice system, and of course the inspiring stories that prove that failure isn't final. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to this week's The Hustler Files. I'm really excited to bring together an interesting group of people from the Hampshire County Sheriff's Department. Um, There's a program, and we mentioned it on a previous show, Sheriff Patrick Kaylane is being honored with the Paul Salucci Nurturing Fathers Award. Sheriff Kaylane has just recently won this award uh, within the last few days, and we want to bring together the people that actually make this happen at the Sheriff's Department. And I even got my hands on the workbook, and it's a 12-week program, and we're going to drill down on it because I've never seen anything like this, and I find it absolutely fascinating. So with us today is Voti Chum, who is a forensic coordinator at the Sheriff's Department here in Hampshire County, and Demetra Bayless, who is a case manager. And we're also going to be chatting in our second segment with Brandon, um, Brandon's been with us before um, as he is a formerly incarcerated young man who works with the landscapes company but he has gone through this program and we're going to get to hear firsthand how it really helped him evolve into um, being a better father so Voti and Demetra thank you so much for joining us today on the Hustler Files thank you thank you for having us thank you So let's start with you, Voti. Um, What is a forensic coordinator and how did you become one? Well, a forensic coordinator um, is my position held at the Sheriff's Department. I am a social worker. Um, I graduated from Smith College with my master's for social work. And I have been practicing mental health and therapy, medication monitoring with the psychiatrist and including reentry services and participating and collaborating with the Nurturing Fathers program. 
And how long have you been working for the sheriff's department? I've been working for the sheriff's department for 15 years. Wow. That's that's quite a lot of time. And was the Nurturing Fathers program part of your responsibility when you first joined, or has this been something that's evolved over time? This has been something that evolved over time. In 2016, we applied for a grant with the DA's office and the Children's Trust to try to bring a parenting group into the facility. Um, prior to that, we've always had something involving children and families, and we called it the Connecting With Your Child program. And in addition to doing that, we wanted something that was curriculum-based and evidence-based, and we, uh, we, we, we applied for a grant and ended up succeeding and offering the service that we um, have continued to expand and grow um, since 2016. And Demetra, why don't you, I want to get you involved here in this because you're an important piece of this puzzle um, that, that works so well. Uh, why don't you give us a little background on yourself? Uh, so I am working at the Hampshire Sheriff uh, Office since... Uh, 2013 for 10 years. I started as an administrator assistant for the sheriff's department, for the treatment department, and slowly transitioned to a case manager. And in 2016, I got uh, certified as a nurturing father's facilitator, and we started that program. And it's just the highlight of my career, I want to say. I really enjoy it, working with Voti and working with the men and see them completely different. They're not the macho men when they do nurturing fathers and play with their children. They're like little. <laughs> so it's fun. So you really see the impact that this program has brought into the jail. Yeah, I see a different personality and I see them, you know, very vulnerable so I don't know which one of you wants to jump in on this, but give us a little bit of a, a high-level view because I know this is a 12-week program, so we don't have 12 weeks to go through each segment of the program, although I'd love to because I'm, I'm fascinated by the workbook. But how does the program work, and how do you get the gentlemen at the jail involved in this? So we run two separate programs. We run one that we have inside the facility behind the walls in jail. Um, and then we have two that we do in the community. And the one inside the jail, um, they go through a screening process and they have to have the, a certain amount of time. They have to be parents, they have to be fathers, and they have to want to participate and engage in the program. It's an elective. It's something that people um, tend to want to be involved in. Um, it's something that's strength-based, uh, which is which is more of a, you know, we, we understand that you're in jail. We understand that you may have committed a crime. You may be sentenced to something. But this is something that you are going to be able to continue on and work and never, ever be perfect at, you know. But we strive to do the best that we can when we're in the programs. Um, the The curriculum is actually 12 weeks, but we add in a 13th week where we, um, discuss healthy relationships in a domestic violence setting. And I think that's important due to the fact that we have so many, um, you know, issues with power and control. And that becomes a focal point where we like to discuss with the clients um, within the group. Uh, the group is 
broken up into two major sections. We have a first part, which is, you know, the first five, uh, one to six weeks. We have, um, we get to know a little bit about their history. We get to know a little bit about their fathers. Dimitri had just mentioned that um, they become vulnerable. And one section is the little boy within. That's one of the chapters where we talk about if you were a child talking to yourself, what would you say to yourself? You know, and just that question alone is impactful for a lot of people who may have not had the best childhood, you know, and not knowing that it wasn't their fault that their parents may have got divorced. It wasn't their fault that they had to work and survive and do all these things and make these decisions that many of us have not had to make at that young of an age. Um, so that's sort of the the, the first few weeks. And then we break it up in the middle and we offer a play shop, which is where we have the clients invite their whole families and we invite their kids and everyone that's supporting them. And we go to the bowling alley in Northampton and we sponsor a bowling night. And it is amazing to see all the men with their children's and their their loved ones come together and participate for a few hours where we're literally just like little kids, you know. So I'm going to stop you there. So the play shop takes place outside the walls. So do you transport the gentlemen who are well, that, incarcerated that's the, or is this I'm part just, of the community This piece? is the community piece. Okay. So this is the community piece. The one inside, I can go back to the one inside. Um, the one inside, we offer a play shop inside the jail, and we do it in our visiting room, and we still invite all the families and friends, but we have that inside, and we typically hire maybe a, mag- a mag- magician, or we hire some sort of outside entertainment that they can um, engage in, and that's usually very um, very fun for the kids and, and for the families for an activity. We do have our culinary art program. The chef sometimes help us bake in cookies. So they have the cookies bake, you know, and make cookies and decorate the cookies. So we try to make the best of it. So you make it interactive. Yes. Between the, the, the gentlemen and their children. Mm-hmm. Now, the behind the wall piece, that's still 12 weeks, though, correct? They go through this. I mean, I'm holding this workbook, yep. and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty intense of what... I could see that this each chapter as I go through it as it gets I mean it it's an emotional piece right yeah yeah it's 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 12 weeks and then we add a third we add that 13th week for for uh, we talk about domestic violence so when you do the community programs at the recovery center or wherever are these still gentlemen who are taking it for a second time who have been released or is this a different group they've never been behind the wall but they're in the recovery center and this is helping them as well both so we do have people who have already complete the program inside participate at the outside at the community we have brand new people who are not incarcerated, but they are mandated by the court uh, or they have some kind of DCF case. So we have a variety of people, but you will see people who completed inside, attending, uh, willing, you know, to, again, the community one. So it's like a refresher course. Yes, and... I think it's uh, very important 
to see people, and Brendan can speak to that, uh, to see people who done it, why they doing it again, what is the purpose? And I think it's uh, connecting with the guys outside and kind of like give it, hey, it's good. It helped me. And but I, I, and we will get to Brandon in the second segment. Um, let's go back a minute and talk about the vulnerability. I mean, in the beginning, do you notice a lot of tenseness um, that these gentlemen are like, they know why they're there and what they need to change, but there's like this such deep emotional um, trauma that's been in, they've been involved with since they've been growing up that it just it takes a few weeks to bring them out of their shell and I'm sure there's a lot of emotion that takes place in that class. Yeah, I think I I think the main point is we know that it's very difficult to have grown men come to the realization for whatever reason that may be that they aren't probably the best fathers or they're not the most you know, proactive, they're not the most caring, they're not the most nurturing parents. And for them to start to realize that, whether it's from court or DCF or probation or just the fact that they lack some of the skills that they they have, um, it becomes very, very difficult for a lot of them to realize that this is a realization that I need to work on. And the impact that it has on the child for them becomes very strained because they don't have the resources, they don't have the skills, they don't have the 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 attention that they, they probably need to focus on. Um, the thing that we try to do, and this is what makes our program extremely unique, is that we provide transportation, you know, for people in the communities. We also provide child care. We also provide gas cards for individuals who are carpooling or individuals who can't get to the program. So we also provide dinner. So we are providing everything that may be a hindrance to someone being able to participate in this program. So we cover all those expenses to make sure that when the person comes in and they participate in the program, they're not having to worry about who's cooking dinner. How am I going to pay for gas to get over here? How am I going to pay for a babysitter? Who am I going to have to watch my child? And we provide all those things in a safe and supportive environment where they can now open up and hopefully that transition into them going home and doing the same thing with their own children. And I'm sure it's not instantaneous and it takes a long time for, mm-hmm. you know, this this redevelopment of years of internal trauma or behavior that they saw from their own fathers, because um, we all know that there's a lot of evidence base now around that. So we have a lot more to cover, and uh, I want to get to Brandon and hear about his experience with the program and how he's doing. So listeners, grab another cup of coffee. We'll be right back with this week's The Hustler Files. Hello, this is Patrick Kaling, Sheriff of Hampshire County. This year, my office received the prestigious Fatherhood Award from the Children's Trust, a state child abuse prevention agency, for our work with the Nurturing Fathers program. We are proud of our partnership with the Children's Trust and firmly believe that strong, safe families help build strong, safe communities. If you're interested in joining our award-winning team, visit our website, HampshireSheriffs.com, submit an application online, or call and ask for our HR department. 
Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. I'm Lisa Riley. And if you're just joining us, um, we're having this really phenomenal conversation today about the Nurturing Fathers program that takes place at the Hampshire County Jail, both behind the wall, and then it also is now um, in an aftercare program out into the community. And we have with us uh, Voti, uh, Chum, Voti Chum and Dimitra Bayliss, who both teach this program at the jail and have been involved with it since 2016. So once again, thank you both for joining us today. We're going to chat with Brandon, who's been with us before um, on another show, because he's gone through this 12-week program. Um, but I had a couple more questions for uh, Voti and Dimitra. So, Dimitra, you mentioned that you had to get, in the first segment, you had to get certified to be involved with this program. Can you explain how that works? Because we were talking offline during the break, and this program is not in every state, and it's you were the first jail to have it in Massachusetts. So how do you get certified in a Nurturing Fathers program? Uh, so we are connected with the Children's Trust that are located in Boston, and they offer that class. And uh, uh, myself, Voti, and a couple other people from the jail, back in 2016, we took that opportunity. For me, was because I, at the time, I was still as a, an administrator. So for me, it was like, yes, I want to do that. And we took a week of uh, classes, and then we brought it in uh, our jail. So I think we proved that it works for everybody. As long as you want to change and you want to do something, you can do it. And that is a great segue over to Brandon. So, Brandon, welcome back to the Hustler Files. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Doing good. Just getting off work. Okay. And you're still with Landscapes, correct? Yeah. Cool. Um, now, how many children do you have? I have one kid. He's uh, five years old and... Uh, He's a special needs child. He has a level three ASD. Did you take this Nurturing Fathers class while you were incarcerated at the jail, or was it in the aftercare program? So it was um, when I was at the jail, um, I went down to the, the Bridge to the Future program. So when I was there, they would bring us down to the NRC, and that's when I got introduced to the Nurturing Fathers program. And that's the Northampton Recovery Center, yes. correct? Okay. And have you done the program through the whole 12 weeks? Uh, yeah, and I've been, um, I graduated in December, and I've been going just about every week up until current, and I still go. So when you first went to the program, what went through your head? Like when you first saw this workbook and you saw the depth of what you were going to have to dig into with Vodi and Demetra and the program itself, what did you think? Um, I definitely was a little bit in over my head. Um, I had uh, I had some walls put up, but um, you know they they they're amazing facilitators, and they everyone there really helped me like tear those walls down in a constructive way, so I can actually work on this. Um, spiritual sickness that I have because I think that's really what it boils down to is that I just had a a big lapse in judgment throughout uh, basically my whole life and uh, they've really been there to be like a just a positive influence on everything that I'm trying to do and uh, same with like just like the people that go there as well um, I was just talking to this with, uh, I was just talking about this with Voti when he picked me up from work to bring me here that um, 
there's just something so magical that happens when you take a bunch of people and you throw them in the same room and they're all trying to do the same thing. They all have the same issues. They're trying to do the same thing. And it's everyone is just, they, they just bring you up with them. Wow. I just, I'm getting all choked up over here because um, you talk about it being magical coming together with people that are in the same space that you are. Did you grow up with a tough father situation? Yeah, my, my dad was present, but I, I've heard this a lot, you know. Uh, he, he just did the best that he thought he could do, you know. And uh, my mom got married a lot. I had multiple different stepdads, and it was, uh, I wouldn't say like a dysfunctional childhood, but it, it was it was kind of sporadic in a way that I, I, there wasn't any stability. And so you became a father at what age? 22, something around there, 22 years old. So... Here you are at 22, and you have a child, and did you look at this baby and be like, I have no idea what to do with you? Um, I, I was pretty gung-ho about um, like leaving my old life in the past, which was just... I, I was just an extreme degenerate when it came to like drinking and drugging. Um, when I found out I was having a child, I, I threw a lot of that to the side and got a job, and I, I was pretty serious about... Uh, being a dad, I thought it was going to fix me, um, but it, it kind of just put a hold on my substance abuse issue until he got older. I, I did good. I was burping him. I was feeding him. I was waking up every hour of the night trying to make sure he was still breathing. Like I, I think I was a, I was doing the best that I could do, but um, that that only can last so long without a support system. Part of the the nurturing fathers program is that support system, and that's why I'm still going. What do you think so far besides the group piece and that, I mean, I guess you could relate it to Narcotics Anonymous or, or AA or whatever. It's in that same maybe, you know, just you're in a group environment with other people like you so you feel safer, right? You have a little bit more stability to share your emotions. Yeah, yeah, somewhat. Like I, I've done a Nurturing Fathers program before. It wasn't anything like the one that, uh, it is hosted by the, the Hampshire County Sheriff's Office. I, I think that the people are a, a big part of it. I, I think being there in person as well, there's like a physical connection. Like the other Nurturing Fathers program I did was over Zoom. I literally got nothing from it. Uh, it was like during the pandemic, It was uh, I was forced to do it by DCF. I didn't really want to do it. Um, it was more of a, an obstacle that I had to do to be able to see my child. Like I said, there's something so magical about this program though because even if people are you know forced to do it uh after that first couple of weeks they aren't like they're kind of still forced to do it but they actually want to they're not just going there because it's like oh you know i have to do this because of dcf they start going there because they they love the fellowship they love the facilitators they love the people the environment you're so well spoken your energy is just infectious as we sit here and chat about this the workbook actually is a workbook. It gives you a chance to answer questions and write notes and almost journal about, you know, what you're going through. Do you go back and, and reference it when even you're not in the, in the group setting? No, I don't do that about any part of my life. I get really emotional and I, I just throughout my life, I put up these walls, but that's why I go back to the, the program every week because like we run through the same stuff and I can... I can be vulnerable and let that out with other people. Like, I am a very, it's very difficult for me to do that by myself. It, even think about it. Like, when I'm going to bed at night, I think about, like, just 
so so much things that'll have my mind race and I like won't be able to sleep and it I feel it's a very uncomfortable thing to do and I think that's why a lot of people probably have like issues just trying to spiritually grow them grow themselves um, it's hard to do by yourself uh, you know with with the help of other people I feel more comfortable and I can like let these things out and then you know get get feedback on it but um, that's why I keep going back every week though because I, I just I need that fellowship and I need that help in order to be the person that I want to be well, you have all my prayers and good wishes because I think you're on the right path. You're self-aware. I think Demetra and Voti would agree that self-awareness is probably a big piece of this um, moving forward. So we only have a minute. I want to ask a question. And Brandon, I know I asked this of you the last time you were with us, but um, I'm going to, so I'm going to start with Demetra first. I always ask all our guests. I believe we all have life assignments and they can change as we go through our journey in life. But right at this moment, Dimitra, what do you think your life assignment is? I want to continue to do what I do. I want to work with the guys, and I don't want to change their lives, but I will, I will love if I can touch a little piece and share some memories with them. Well, that's very inspiring. Thank you. Voti, what do you think your life assignment is at the moment? I think if I were to answer that question, it's to be a role model. I think that the hardest thing in life is to do what you want to do and also do it in a way where you impact others. The job that I have, the, the enjoyment is always coming through my own satisfaction as well and wanting to be present and wanting to be doing what I do with the men that I serve but also being that role model for my children. I have three kids now. And during the play shop, I also bring my kids to experience something that dad does, you know, and being involved and having that opportunity to do that is priceless. Wonderful. And Brandon, last but not least. Uh, mine, mine is pretty short and simple, but it's to uh, be of service, not only to myself, but uh, the people around me. Very inspiring also. All right. I hate to say goodbye, but um, thank you all for joining us today. And uh, listeners, we're not done yet, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of this week's The Hustler Files. Franklin County has a vibrant history of farming. At the Franklin County House of Correction, we bring that history to life with education and vocational programs around farming and gardening. Incarcerated men and women learn to work in active organic garden. Best of all, they harvest, they send home to help support and feed their families. This is Sheriff Chris Donnellan, and I can't think of better therapy than farming and feeding your family. That's the history of Franklin County, and we honor it at the Sheriff's Office every day. We are back, and another big thank you to Voti and Demetra and Brandon for joining us today and talking about the Nurturing Fathers program. Today's thoughts come from poet and author Paul Zweig, and he says, I think of your swallowed angers, the pain on your face when I twisted grammar. All your life you wrestled with fears that would not become angels. Inside your crabbed masculinity was a motherly sweetness. You could let out only when you were alone, with the damp sand under your feet, the foaming waves beside you. With an artistry I still marvel at, you remade yourself in that lonely space as you have remade yourself in me. And that's a wrap on another Hustler Files for this week. 
Thank you for joining us. I want to thank our guests and advertisers for their continuing support. Have a wonderful week ahead. And remember, don't be ashamed of your story. It might inspire someone else. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files. (laughs) 